0: Thank you for that. All right. Oh, oh, oh. Do we have slides? Mm. Uh, There we go. Excellent. Lovely. Hello, everyone. And uh, yes, I'm afraid when I put in my bio, I was uh, employed by the University of the West of England, and I'm now formerly of the University of the West of England. As researchers do, we like to jump around. But that doesn't change the nature of the presentation, which is about how robot arms are being sold to the public, rather than to the people who actually purchase them. So interesting thing happened in 2014. KUKA, who you may know because they're a major German robotics and automation company, uh, released a video of Timo Ball, world champion table tennis player, playing table tennis against a robot arm. Specifically, well, what's the point? I'll show you a picture. This gorgeous, gorgeous, dark, moody video of Timo Boll playing table tennis against a robot arm. This differs enormously from how we've historically seen robot arms being portrayed because this uses the language and the vernacular of sports, of car advertisements, of luxury branding to sell us an industrial robot. And I'll show you a small moment of this. So we'll go. Let me find my full screen button. All right. Oh, god. It's in German. Can you full screen it? Right. It goes on, it does go on, but the point of this, this glorious little video which got 10 million views on YouTube in four years, uh, and it is by far, by far, by far the most popular thing KUKA has ever posted to their YouTube channel, as you can imagine, since most of their other videos are white room scenarios where they're describing what a robot does and how it functions for a company that owns it, right? This is the typical how to sell a robot. This video has this beautiful narrative of, at first it seems as if Timo Ball will not beat this robot, and then miraculously, the human, the fallible but skilled human, claws it back, and, spoiler, he wins, right? He does ultimately beat the robot, and the robot refuses to shake his hand at the end, right? Showing that, uh, you know, they may be our overlords eventually, but not yet. And then the tagline under the KUKA logo at the very end of this video is, maybe not the best at table tennis, but probably the best at robotics, right? This is the brand, pro- brand proposition in this case, that uh, though they can't yet beat Timo Ball, with one of their robot arms in a game of table tennis, they can certainly automate your production line. Fine. So a year later or so, 2015, Yuskawa, which is a very large Japanese automation and robotics company, releases a video in which Isao Machi, uh teaches a robot arm, I butcher this, I can't say it right, Iyutsu, uh, and then he faces off against it. Now. This particular word that I can't say very well is uh, uh, it's, its a part of the art of, of samurai swordsmanship and it's fast precision cutting. What's fascinating about this one, and I will not show you this video, but if you want to watch it you can look up the Bushido project. Um, what's fascinating about it is that in this case, unlike in the case of the Kuka video with Timo Ball. What's happening is that a human is imparting knowledge to a robot and they're forming, in essence, a partnership. So Yaskawa makes use of a motion capture suit in order to mimic more accurately the movements of this master swordsman who then, you know, is beaten by his protege, right? You get this kind of uh, master is surpassed by student scenario in which the master is the human, and the student is a robot. Very, 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 very differently. In 2014, the Governor General of Canada, the country I come from, plays air hockey against an ABB robot arm at a trade fair. This is an annual trade fair called Discovery. And for those of you who don't know the intricacies of the Canadian political system, the Governor General is the Queen's representative in Canada, meaning that A, symbolically, he is the head of the country, even above the Prime Minister, though in practice he has no real power, uh, unless he chooses to exercise it, and then that's a constitutional crisis, but we won't go there. Uh, B, that means that this man is playing air hockey with an industrial robot on behalf of the Queen of England. <laughs> he doesn't look nearly as good as Timo Ball when he is doing that. And I can't remember, I was there. Uh, I can't remember whether he won or not. I think the robot won. So what's the point of all of these things? I guess mean, first, clearly one of these things does not belong, right? The David Johnston Versus the Scala video versus team of ball. right? Gorgeous robots versus competent but ugly robots. Because in the last couple of years, what we've seen is a resituating of how robots are marketed to a more general public, which is the whole point of this talk. This is how we think of an industrial robot arm, right? Generally yellow. The Kuka ones, orange. Yaskawa is doing blue ones, but historically, an ugly yellow safe thing, often in a cage, uh, for obviously safety reasons. That just, you know, does the same thing every day, repeatedly on a production line, in in a repeatable way. Right? That's been one of the value propositions of industrial robots. What we're seeing now is a kind of robot marketing that's less about fact and more about affect. And I realize I talk like an academic, so I'll unpack the term affect a tiny bit. Affect is the idea of an emotional connection with something. So it's, in this case, not about selling the capabilities of the robot to an audience that cares about making use of the robot, but it's about selling an emotional connection with the robot, with it's more human side in this case because what we've seen so far are representations of robot arms playing sports or you know doing other athletic activities Um, we're asked to empathize with it because it's doing something that we might do in our spare time or that we might actually enjoy watching someone else do. Some of you may be utter nerds like me and enjoy watching videos of how things are made or, you know, machines in action. But for the most part, we like doing things like watching sports in our spare time or, you know, looking at art, whatever, watching TV, right? So watching a robot play a sport has a, an easier point of connection than watching a robot assemble a car. A little bit of that otherness disappears. And in terms of that, I mean... This is my favorite thing in the Yaskawa Bushido project because, I mean, for goodness sake, he's bowing to the robot, right? He is literally bound to the robot at the end of this competition in which the robot shows every competency that the human master is capable of showing and then some, right? The robot outperforms the master in this case. And behind this sort of glass partition, you see... It's actually quite funny in this one. They break the fourth wall a little bit, unlike in the KUKA video. So you see this control room full of people, this team of people who have been involved in making this robot achieve this feat. And it's very emotional, right? It borrows the language in this case of, you know, the the video of the control room that successfully launched a rocket, right? That's what's happening here. These people working together with their robot, which is very much a person in this, are exceptionally proud of what they and their robot have accomplished. Still, of course, always in this nice, moody black box, because that's, that's where these new things take place, right? However, what matters in all of this as well is that the human continues to be the central figure, right? It's always about what the robot does like the human, or with the human, or trained by the human, or against the human, is not positioned as a robot undertaking a task for a robot. It's positioned as a robot undertaking a task that a human normally does, often for fun, right? So in the language of these videos, we see, you know, close-ups of Timo Ball serving. We see, I love this one, this is Machi, the, uh, the master, showing an engineer, you know, move it down a little bit, right? Showing him where the sword should be positioned for the robot to achieve the impossible feat that turns out to be possible of slicing a pea in half on the horizontal axis, which it accomplishes, and which, uh, apparently, the human master cannot accomplish interesting the point of all of this the point of producing videos as far as I can glean at least, obviously I'm not in the marketing department of a robotics company Uh, that would be, that could be fun Um, the point as far as I can glean of producing things that are intended obviously to be viral, right, exciting maybe someone at KUKA just said you know what, let's make a viral video let's see how well we can do But the secondary effect is, well, not even a secondary effect, the point is that it targets an audience outside of the normal group of stakeholders who care about industrial robots. So it's moving out of that clean room environment that we're used to seeing robots in or out of that factory environment that we're used to seeing robots in, and it brings them into spaces which make them seem exotic, which make them seem more exciting, which make them, you know, I I hesitate to say this, but I've yet to find a better word in all of the articulating I've tried to do around this, it makes them seem sexier, right? In essence, these videos are about making a robot into an object of desire, or at least something more relatable, and that Interestingly, we've heard a lot of talk in this track today about uh, <laughs> how, how robots are, are talked about, right? One of the tropes that you always get is the idea of the robot taking your job. You know, the robot, or automation more generally, being something that does damage to the human and their ability to have a fulfilling life. And one might think that, you know, thinking about a robot as someone who can be a world champion table tennis player, though that's obviously not the goal. But one might think that doing that adds to the narrative of robots will take our jobs, you know? First they'll be assembling our cars, then they'll be playing our table tennis for us, and then what's left, right? If we don't even have table tennis, what do we have? But my position is that obviously when we look at a robot, playing table tennis against Timo Ball, we're not thinking, oh shit, now all of our table tennis players will be robots, because we've been watching robots play soccer in robotics competitions for years, right? An enormous part of the development of robotics as a research field has been about using relatable human tasks, like sports, to make people more excited about robots. And so, in that vein, That's effectively what's happening with these videos. We see relatable human activities carried out in aesthetically pleasing ways by things that are frankly boring. It's amazing that robot arms are boring, but they totally are, right? I mean, we've seen robot arms in factories for decades and decades and decades now. When I was a child, there were robot arms in factories. You know, they're just a fact of life at this point, and thus they have become boring. In a sense, what these videos are doing is making them exciting again in the same way that, you know, somehow space travel has become boring. People don't watch launches anymore, except maybe some people in this room. I realize that, you know, this may not be the crowd to say that to. Um, But what we're seeing is selling to the secondary audience, right? I mean, in marketing, people talk about primary and secondary audiences and rather than talking to the purchasers of robots, who of course robotics companies have been talking to for years, they're now talking to the people who are purchasing the things that are made by the robots, which is interesting because it starts to be a value proposition. Is anyone in the room aware of the Adidas Speed Factory? Mumble if you are. Yeah, cough. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Anyway, so in, in Ansbach, there is a thing called the Speed Factory, which is Adidas's attempt to do lots of uh, interesting, wonderful and problematic things, right? Make German shoes for Germans, uh, make a customizable shoe that can be produced in the span of a short period of time and then sent off on demand, etc., etc. And a side effect of this that of course interests me is a lot of really gorgeous, moody, dark, sexy videos of robots and 3D printers and automated sewing machines and laser cutters doing the things that they do inside of an apparently black factory. It's probably not actually black, but if you watch the videos, for goodness sake, I mean, how would a human work in there, right? Which is another interesting fiction in these things. But... What I love is this shot about halfway through a promotional video for the shoes that are coming out of the Speed Factory, which has this robot center stage in a darkened room in its lit up box. The only thing you see is this white, bright centerpiece of a robot doing its thing, assembling a shoe. right? Um, while the rest of the world is dark and black and moody. I think there's a, there's a fascinating symbolism in that, which kind of brings me to, never mind, kind of, why am I equivocating? Which very much brings me to my, my little food for thought, which is that what we're seeing now is an attempt at a more exciting aesthetics for the future of technology, because clean rooms used to be exciting, right? Clean rooms are a departure from the dirty, grotty factory that humans have worked in. Clean rooms are the idea that we can have a a nicer kind of manufacturing. Now that's boring. Now we've moved on. Now we're getting a new vernacular in which as we start to think about what robots will do for us in the future, because absolutely those things are becoming more exciting, right? The possibilities of robots are moving beyond just precision and accuracy, as we've heard, and on to things like collaboration, flexible production, etc., etc. And along with that movement, I think we're seeing a more imaginative way of viewing how robots fit in our industrial practices, in our lives, and as things that add cachet and intrigue and mystique to the products that we purchase from the people who make those robots. And that's me. Thank you.